Fitness Warriors Life Podcast 2023, episode 22, brought to you by the Warriors Mad Legends at King's Container Crew. So anyone in need of a container crew, labour and forklift operators to your warehouse, unpacking, palletizing, staging imported container contents, packing contents for container exports if you need that, uh, right across New Zealand and Australia there in Auckland, Christchurch, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Perth. Just reach out to them via their website, kingscontainercrew.com. That's Kings with a Z. Hit the work with us tab. Uh, ditto for anyone interested in joining their team. Uh, thanks again to Kings Container Crew. And no Fonzie this week. He's in COVID hell. Second week of it for the big fella. But uh, Will and Brad here on a, and a treat for our Tuesday afternoon. Sam Hewitt, producer and Warriors commentator with uh, Sens Network. How are you, Sammy? Thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, good boys. Great to be here. And uh, sympathies to uh, to Fonzie with the with a spicy cough. Hope he's uh, hope he's on the mend. Yeah, tough one, Fonzie, but he'll be listening. And he has chipped in with a few questions for you, so we'll get to those a bit later on as well. Sammy, um, sends obviously great supporters of the Warriors' life uh, over the last year or year or two. Um, in fact, here's a stat for you: sends have had sixty six point six seven of the Warriors' life's co-hosts on. Afternoons with Staffy this season. As as Brad, the uh, the only, the only one. Yeah, that, Sorry, that Brad. That didn't take long, did it? That didn't take nudge nudge, you maggot. Yeah, but anyway, so I I thought bugger it, I'll bring I'll bring the mountain to Muhammad. <laughs> Got you this way, mate. Yeah, and also Brad, we we just do have a um a bit of a, a rule here at SNZ that you have to have been at Mount Smart to uh, come on the station. So uh, oh, that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling too many secrets. That was all here. That was all here, chat. Oh well, he can cut. Our gates are open. Looking forward to the next hour or so, my friend. Hey, our boys. Uh, good time to have Sammy on. Warriors are riding high. Everyone's pumped up. Uh, great win on Friday night, 36-14 over the Raiders. Gate crashed Crocopalooza over there. Um, Sammy, was that up there? What you've called a, a number of games for the Warriors now. You're in the uh, in the studio calling that one from Auckland. Is that up there with the best games you've called of the Warriors so far? Yeah, man, for sure. Like, um, I, th- I think I sort of pinpointed that Sharks game as probably the best game you know, that, that I had called over the last couple of years and then you yeah, quickly trumped on Friday night. Uh, just, I mean, you know, things that everyone's been talking about, obviously the defense in the first 40 minutes, arguably the best defense we've seen in, in a very, very long time. And then, you know, I, I actually was speaking with Torhu Harris yesterday and, and said it almost felt like in the second half, it, it was a completely diff- like new game. It's like you came out with just this energy that, it's like you just started again. And and someone like Torhu as well, I actually thought looked a little bit tired in the first half. Obviously, they were on defense so much, and I sort of started to notice him slow to get back into the line, hands on hips, all that sort of stuff. And then the second half, he was a new man. So, I mean, whether or not that was the motivation of of the individuals or whether Webby is, is just a genius, and I'm leaning towards that one, and that he just told them, for 40 minutes, it's going to be hell. You know, they're going to come at us. It's going to be it's going to be fire. It's going to be rampant because it's such a big occasion. We just got to weather that storm and we're going to go to work in the second half. And if and if that was the game plan, it just could not have been more perfectly executed. So, um, yeah, an amazing watch, an amazing result. And, yeah, obviously, understandably pumped up with the uh, with the second half tries, as you probably heard. Oh, yeah, some uh, some great calls there. The volume was going through the roof. Uh, <laughs> you and Kempi there, mate. Yeah. Um, it seemed like the Raiders were almost demoralised to only be up eight six a half time. They had so much ball, 
one jammy try to Jack Whiten, and mm. you know after all that, they're they're only up by two points uh, conceded while they had a man advantage, and uh, they just didn't turn up in the second half. It was quite bizarre, really. But yeah, Warriors obviously out outstanding uh, the, the defensive effort, and then they uh, yeah enjoyed the fruits of their labour in the second half by running in five was it five tries in the second half. Yeah, um, and, 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 that, and some that, good ones. Then there was that crazy stat up from the first half, and I think it was to it was wasn't at uh, half time. It was sort of before, and like they had had forty five tackles in the Warriors' end to to the Warriors' fifteen in their in their end, and, mm. and the tackles for us in their half weren't in their final twenty. They were in the sort of fifty to forty thirty line. So yeah. they they were absolutely on top of us. And this is the thing: like the Raiders weren't you. I've seen Raiders fans talking about it. You wouldn't have said the Raiders were playing poorly, like, and they couldn't finish. You wouldn't have put that on them. You would have put it on what you were seeing from the Warriors. And um, the the best line, I think the best line from from Webby in the post-match press conference was winning these sorts of games in the se- in the regular season, like big occasions, hard places to play, everything against you is just the perfect, um, I guess, cache for putting aside for when, you know, the finals come around and you're playing in a hostile environment, big occasion, emotion, hostile fans. It, it could not be a, a better experience for those boys to have and to lean on. And that, to me, was a real sticking point because, yes, you, you talk about Croker and the 300th, but it is just – and, you know, it's just, a two, it's just two points. It's just another NRL game. But, man, they will draw on that should finals come around and we're playing at a, you know, a very hostile Sydney or, or Penrith or wherever it is. And we're able to look back and go, you know what, boys, we, 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 we've stepped up in big games before we know what it takes and we know the game plan. So um, that was, that was, I thought a really good point from Webby in the post-match. Yeah. One thing, and you touched on it before you don't wonder what was said at halftime and what the actual game plan was. One thing that you wouldn't have heard because you were broadcasting yourself, but when they come out and they were talking to the sideline commentator about what the coaches had said at halftime. And Webby had said to them, you've got them here. I know we're behind and they've had all the ball, but if you change a couple of gears, we can roll over the top of this. You just need to play harder. Mm. And exactly what they said two minutes when they come out on the field, that's exactly what they've done. And then like Canberra weren't playing bad, but in the end they were because we had forced them into starting to make some real bad decisions, which gave us another 18-odd points of some bad yeah. decisions in passing. So it was... Um, impressive game, demoralised year. It was like the All Blacks sort of eight years ago when they used to yeah. just stick, stick into the battle for 40 minutes and then just roll over the top of people. That's yeah. what the Warriors are doing. It was the yeah the 60-minute All Blacks, right? Uh, we all knew it <sighs> doesn't matter what the score was after 60 minutes. You get the last 20 where they just come home absolutely flying. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, Canberra's really been a team probably in 2023. When you look at defensively their record, and they're one of the worst defensive teams in the top eight, I think they are a team that... You, that's all you have to do is break them down and and yeah. they'll, they'll mentally fold. And obviously they had a weird bench as well. Like they had Starling, who's an out-and-out hooker. They had Nick Cottridge, who's, a, who's basically a winger or a centre. So they didn't have that punch to bring on through the middle, which is really where, where the work was done. I mean, what, four of the tries were right underneath the posts, yeah. um, you know, right in that middle, middle part of the park. So, um, yeah, c- clinical. I mean, you know, can you do that against Penrith? Can you do it against South Sydney? That is obviously the question we all want answered and and the South Sydney game in a couple of weeks will, will be the real test of whether we can, you know? Yeah. Would, yeah, I'd like to know yeah, how close we are to those two. Yeah. Well, who was your player of the day? Who'd um, you go for, Will? Yeah. Well, 
we had. Uh, Are we the... jumping ahead? Sorry, Will tells me no, off no, when we're jumping right. ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I uh, sympathise with you, Sammy, uh, the producer, um, having to you know keep the talent in in line here. And Brad, he's, he's all over the show. It's a bit of an enigma sometimes, but no. no um, so on the uh, player ratings, the Kings Container Crew player ratings on. Uh, Friday night gave uh, Chance Nickel Klofstad and Sean Johnson both a uh, team high 8.5. And uh, Chance got my uh, Kings Container Crew king sized effort of the week. I just thought he was outstanding um, over 200 metres and just an absolute workhorse. But the thing I took away from it, from, especially from Webster's uh, post match presser, was talking about how much work he, did, he does as a defensive fullback. Um, directing the defensive line, and that was especially important when they're down to 12. Um, you've watched, obviously, every game that he's played super closely. Sam, um, you know, what's your appraisal of, I guess, Friday night, Chance again, but yeah. of the season to date and what a difference he's made to um, to this team? Just, you know, just incredible. And um, it, I, too, was you know fascinated to hear we'd be talking about how much, you know, he, he's talking off the ball and telling guys where to go and everything because Chance can often come across as that sort of humble, laid-back guy. Um, but, man, he's a competitor. And, and you know, I've sort of been tweeting about it um, over the course of the weekend and this week. You know, if you put him in a side like a Penrith or a South Sydney who are, you know, genuine premier con- premiership contenders, he'd borderline win the Dally M. You know, he's, mm-hmm. at, he's playing at that level. And not that saying that the Warriors aren't, a good team, but you know, we, we're a team that isn't, I guess, flying like a Penrith at the moment yet. And, and you look at someone like Dylan Edwards for them, who obviously won the Clive Churchill last year. And I think chance is playing the, if not better than Dylan Edwards um, last year and this year. And I think what people underrate as well, and, and look, I, I know some people don't like the comparison, you know, when we talk about Reese Walsh, but, it, but it's a logical comparison given he's what we had last year. Um, and I wouldn't trade, chance for Reese Walsh if you gave that offer to me tomorrow I wouldn't take it in a heartbeat and some people turn their nose up at that because they say Reese Walsh is a, a generational talent look what he's doing at the Broncos he's amazing but whilst yes Reese can op- can break a game open and he's a phenomenal attacking player you cannot undervalue what chance brings a to the defensive end but also those carries out of yardage and everyone's talking about that too you know we're, we're in an infinitely better position on the park with chance Dallin and Marcelo and what they do on those first couple of carries to give us an extra 20 or 30 meters before we then bring our forwards back into it. We're starting in in a better part of the field. We're giving the forwards a better rest. You know, those sort of intangibles, I think, are what make Chance so um, phenomenal as our number one. And like I said, I just wouldn't trade him for the world. I think he's having, you know, unbelievable 2023. Hopefully he stays fit. Hopefully he stays on the field. If the Warriors go deep, he's got to be... I mean, surely he's picking up some Dally in points there, but he's got yeah, to be close he, to, the, to the best this year. Did he get any on Monday? When they, or is it all closed it's up again? Uh, yeah, it's closed up after round 12, 12? I think. Yeah. But yeah, the last couple of weeks, I think he would be right up there in the mix. There's a couple, um, on two occasions there on Friday night, one thing that I hadn't noticed before about him, he got caught at marker on the fifth tackle sort of on our, deep down in our territory on our try line. He was calm as, sat there, Played, the ball got played, went out, and then he was gone like a robber's dog across the field, and then all of a sudden in position to take a grubber kick and then mm. get it out. He, the dude had come from marker and sprinted across the field and still need, still watching the play and reading the game well enough to then clean up. Yeah, he's he's pretty phenomenal. I would love it if he had a little short kicking game in his uh, repertoire, though. 
there's a couple of times when they went wide in the first half and all he's got is pretty much a pass and that's not all he's got, but a little dribble kick in behind probably would have maybe got the chocolates and a couple of times home, but that's a pretty small it's critique. A bit more, it's a bit more rounded than I think a lot of people give him credit for, though. He's, he does yeah. have some decent vision on attack and... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we'll sort of see that come to the fore, especially if we, you know, get a, a back line playing in the same position for several weeks in a row. I think he's uh, certainly come along the last couple of weeks in that department. What about young, uh, what about young Ali? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Great debut. Um, yeah. Nothing spectacular, but did a thousand little things right. I was super impressed. I thought it was one of the better Warriors debuts and a tough, tough game to debut in against the uh, milestone man. And he yeah, got the had it over him, and and on Jack Wyden's edge as well. You know that's that's yeah. Jack yeah. bread and butter. It's like I don't think you can understate how you know it's a lot of pressure for a guy to play on debut period. But then you go throw him up like you said against the guy who's playing the three hundred against Jack Wyden on that left edge, and you know faultless. You know really yeah. like you cannot fault him. And some literally great faultless. Yeah, some great carries and a really exciting talent. So all, all I'm sort of hearing at the moment um, out of sort of people at the club is is the vision next year of having uh, him on the um, right edge and having Roger on the left. They they definitely see Roger as as a left centre, uh, which would mean Ali on the right. And, you know, obviously that means someone's going to miss out, probably Pompey who's off contract, but, you know, people tossing out by Lear as well. Um, but, man, does, isn't that exciting? If Ali plays like that, you know, yeah. constantly and gets yeah. better. And then Roger on the other side, it's, that's tasty. That's very well, tasty. Yeah. The thing we've been watching is highlights in New South Wales Cup and sort of thinking maybe a bit more, another Vilea explosive talent, maybe a little bit, you know, flighty at this stage of his career. But it looked like he'd been there for 50 games. They tested yeah. him early. Um, There's one moment in defence where he, he sort of stayed in a little bit and they got to the outside with Croker and he just adjusted and, Came yeah. up with a brilliant cover tackle, diving, cut his cut his legs out from under him. Did that, you know, several great defensive plays. Uh, the the kick defusal at a really crucial point in the game, and then when he did get uh, the ball in his hands a couple of times the second half, he, he looked electric. Um, you know, not a hell of a lot of opportunities, but he he certainly he just looks a genuine footy player. You know, switching hands to fend when you're going through a half gap and and that sort mm. of thing. Like he's yeah, he's got yeah. the goods. Mm. Looks very coachable. Uh, yeah, no poor performances really. Obviously, Adam and uh, Tohu were great again. Uh, Egan, besides a few errors, geez, uh, the way he picks his spots to run and, and identifies, you know, when the the defense is a bit vulnerable, it got him a try. But also in the first half, um, a few times as well. Even though we're under the pump, he was getting some good meters for us out of dummy half. Um, man, he's He'd almost be New South Wales hooker if he <laughs> didn't seem a little bit sort of uh, frail, I guess, or yeah. his ability to get through an 80-minute uh, game of that sort of uh, physicality. But, geez, no one's playing better than him. No, and and there's obviously a few guys that we've had missing at various stages. And, and you know, you sort of say, oh, we really missed Chance tonight or we really missed Tohu, whoever's sort of been out. But, like, I don't think have we won a game without Wade. I mean, the, the games that he hasn't played, I feel like those are the games we've lost. He is such a key um part of that attack and and i love um i think it's the um uh the waz up podcast guy who does those little anal uh, analysis videos and just the movements that he does from dummy half and i know 
um, was it Christian Welch who said Harry Grant watches a lot of Wade Egan? You know, he, he's getting that yeah, sort of praise yeah. from people. And I even think someone said, maybe it was Cameron Smith said he, you know, he reminds him of a younger him or whatever. So he's clearly got massive reps around the NRL. And I think oh, yeah, I was critical of him in, in those sort of first couple of seasons, but man, as he stepped up big time last year and this year, um, just, just the vision, you'll notice he keeps his head up out of dummy half. He, he's hardly even like, he already knows what he wants to do, but he keeps his head up looking at the defense to a fool them, but also b make a quick change if he has to. And just the little sort of shimmy inside before he passes or the shimmy outside, mm. just catch a marker off, off a half a step or whatever. I think that that's the key between a carry going 10 meters versus going five or six. Um, so yeah, he, he take him out of the team. And I seriously think it's, it's, you know, he's one of those big reasons why we're, we're getting the job done in a lot of these games. Mm. Agree more. Yeah, good to see him get through some big minutes uh, since returning from his last injury as well. I think you know yeah. if we're having if we're getting him playing just about a full game every week, that's our best chance of success. I know that's you know maybe a bit uh, tough on him. Um, you know, is, is that sustainable? Who knows? But geez, I'd love that's to screw see. Him. That. He signed and, up to be a rugby league player. <laughs> screw him. Play twenty seven. This is what you're getting paid to do, my friend. Get yeah. belted for eighty minutes, you can have three months off. <laughs> um, what are you thinking about Mecca? Is he is he a bit of a flat track bully like Nicarima? Probably a bit oh. early to tar him with that yeah, brush. I I yeah, I know, but I don't know. I mean, that wasn't you know, but obviously they um, they came they're running downhill in the second half, but I wouldn't quite call it a flat track bully. I'll, I'll just call my call my head. But just what's the date? What's the time? Three forty five on the third. Just remember this time. I thought he, you know, that was a really brave lining run to off Sean to score that yeah. try under the post. So it was a great sign and, and yeah, obviously great to see someone make a break downfield out of our own half. Um, it was so good to see good some ones. speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I still think, and I think he's available for our next game after the bye to Marty Martin. We'll probably come straight back into the six though, Sammy. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. And, and, um, you know, the thing, and I'm going to try and get Webby on at some stage in the next couple of weeks. One thing I want to actually ask him about is how, how I guess the game, uh, they want the game to move around Luke, because, you know, when you've got Sean in that, in that, in that seven jersey, he's going to be the guy who goes to the line. And so if Luke's getting it off the back of him, he's probably getting it up, up close to the defensive line anyway. So not a lot of space to run and move. Whereas, I don't know, maybe if you're pairing with him with Tamaiti, you're going to give him more time to, to attack the line, which is probably what he's good at. So I feel like, and, and this isn't a criticism of you, Brad, but people that have maybe watched Luke over the last couple of weeks, said, oh, you know, he doesn't sort of seem to be doing much. Maybe that's just because he is a symptom of, Sean's the one doing actually a lot of the the um, attacking of the line and Luke's trying to almost be that fullback type half that we see now with, you know, Teddy and and um, Caelan Ponga who sort of just hang off the back of the ruck and get some of those scraps. And he did it obviously the week uh, last week with uh, Nia Korda and that sort of inside ball. So um, whether or not that, like I said, I'm going to talk to Webby, whether or not that changes, you know, if it is him and Tamaiti moving forward, how that differs. But um, I think, he he for them is a work in progress. I think you're right. As soon as Tamati's fit, he comes back. It's him and Sean probably for the rest of this year. And yeah, depending on whether Sean re-signs. Oh, moving that forward. Sort of depth. Um, Cause, cause that the, as well. 
he seems to be struggling to work out what his job is out there at the moment too a little bit, doesn't he? Like, mm. is he too scared to step on Johnson's toes by taking a bit of control on his side? Or I don't know, it just seems like a bit of a spare prick at a wedding type setup. <laughs> just floating around, not really, not really committing to one thing or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ma- hopefully, Martin Musgrove was kind of, Martin was kind of in the same boat, but seemed more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with Dan so much better looking though. Yeah, way better <laughs> looking, fella. Way better looking. Yeah, yeah very good um, looking man. I, I did want to touch on Sean. Obviously, another great performance. Uh, just carries on what he's been doing all year, but three trices, that memorable intercept right at the end, um, and a memorable call on that moment from you, uh, <laughs> Sammy, in the box on Friday. Um, but you I blow your top, did you? What's that? <laughs> Did you blow your top? Did you, Sammy? I oh, mate, I do that with every try. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it's just a th- it's just a theme of the commentaries. But obviously, that one just caught everyone off guard. So when that happens, generally the decibels, you know, you get a bit of crackling on the microphone. You're not you're not prepared. <laughs> um, I was just looking at as obviously you know just the eye test. Sean is having you know arguably his best season, certainly his most consistent. He's just producing every week. But I was looking at his stats. Uh, across his whole career and it's quite amazing what he is producing just numbers wise he's scored five tries now that's his best total since 2016 he's mm. already kicked for more meters than any other season in his career um, obviously he's been doing you know the 95 percent of that uh, for us but to, you know only 14 games in, he's already shattered his, uh, his previous best in a season uh, 13 forced dropouts last year was actually his career best with with 23 probably on track to um to beat that 14 uh, triassists, which is his best was 23 for the Sharks when he uh, was top five in the Dally M yeah. previously in a Warriors jersey was actually only 18. Uh, so he's obviously going to cruise past that uh, staying fit. Um, tackles 275 already um, within probably four or five weeks. He'll, he'll break his all time uh, defensive record for a season which and he's been outstanding in defense only missed 18 tackles all year um and total running meters are down a little bit i guess across his career slightly up on last year but uh certainly no slaps there and um yeah that's funny that when the warriors are playing well no one's really worrying too much about whether sean's running <laughs> uh, to, uh not enough for last year is getting can- uh, panned every week for not running enough so yeah, yeah it's just it's, it's great to see uh, Sean getting the plaudits of um, of running a very a very good unit. Um, mm. Yeah, it's obviously a pleasure to call that sort of form from Sean as well for you too, Sammy. Yeah, I mean, what what can you really say that you know hasn't probably already said by everyone about Sean? Because yeah, he he is just on fire. And um, you know, talking with um, Dallin last week, who said. I thought quite interestingly that um, when he he feels like he plays his best or he's had his best game when he's done well defensively, he thinks his attack gets inspired by that. And I think it's exactly the same with Sean. I actually think what he's doing on the defensive end is getting his confidence up for when he, for when they're on attack. Um, and you know the Sean of of old we, we we saw was no I guess not a slouch in defence but there were key missed tackles and there were key matchups that he would lose. I mean there was a, there was a moment me and Kempi actually talked about against the Dolphins where I think it was Lemuelu broke through the line and it was really good hearing Kempi's analysis because he said you know what Lemuelu was trying to do was this um, I think it's called a, a hit and turn so you know you. you turn your shoulder as you're going into the tackle so that once you make the contact, your arms freed up offload. And 
he went through the line and was trying to do a hit and turn and Sean just wrapped up his arms. And this is at pace with a big guy, grabbed his arms and basically wrapped it up and he was trying to get his arm free and he couldn't. And Kempe was saying that that is a mark of a guy who defensively is very, very sound. So, um, you know, whilst it's it's great to look at the attack and what he's doing with his kicking game, which which is getting us in a great position, the defense side to me is probably the foundation for him. Um, oh, it's been unbelievable yeah. in that department. Yeah, um, I'd, great to see him just, smiling, you know, just he's, oh, he's yeah. smiling. He's, Sean Johnson yeah. Is, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I um, mean, you talked about the the Waz Up uh, podcast, their analysis on YouTube. I was actually look, look, watching that just before the show uh, and he pinpointed a defensive moment from Sean on the weekend um, and a, sort of a jujitsu type move that he pulled on <laughs> Jack Whiten and, and obviously made that influence of having Kaikata France yeah. and those sort of guys around the camp. Yeah, um, is is sort of playing into that, but yeah, um, just in every facet, he has been absolutely superb. And one more stat that I wanted to um, to pinpoint was his goal kicking um, at the start of the year, and he missed a couple in tough conditions against Newcastle in round one. And and I was stuck, you know they're saying Mitch Barnett should be our goal kicker. Uh, I went into bat for Sean, and he's you know <laughs> he's been a serviceable kicker for his whole whole career. Um, but he's kicking at eighty percent this season now. After a after a slowish start, I think he's um, yeah he's kicked something like nineteen of his last twenty, um, mm. and he, and he's been banging them over from the sideline as well. So you know, there's there isn't anything he isn't excelling at at the moment. Nah, and goal kicking's. I mean, I'm not going to say it's undervalued probably in rugby league, but it it feels a little bit different to. For example, yeah. Union, like there's so much emphasis put on goal kicking in Union and rugby league. It's almost like, oh, okay, here's two points, bang it up. Oh, no, he's missed it. Okay, we move on. Well, you only had to watch the the Rabbits game where um, young uh, Blake Taff missed like four of his kicks, I think, or five of his kicks and what ended up being a, a four-point ball game or a six-point ball game. You know, that that is the difference at times between winning and losing, but it's also the difference, you know, for, for scoreboard pressure. You know, 12-6 uh, is a lot different to 8-6. Yeah. Um, you know, if you hit yeah. the two kicks, so um, it, it's creating once again, it's it's taking that pressure off and probably giving him confidence. He turns around, he smiles to the crowd, he gives them a wave. It's it's almost like that Latrell Mitchell type sweat, yeah. you know, where he feeds off it because it's what gets what motivates him really. So, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome to see, and and you know, his, his goal kicking has improved, which is you know, along with everything else, great. Who was the last um, player, or has there been a player that sort of had a couple of slow years, some old stager, and then come back and played like this? What was when was the last time someone had done something like this where he can play? Like I know, remember Bendy had was he an all right year at the Broncos or something? Was it? Was he at the Broncos and he had yeah, an all right but, year and he went? But even well, still, it was good for those, an old boy. He's had a few of those, Benji, and he's probably mm-hmm. the the most um, yeah notable one, but. This from Sean is something else. Like he's yeah. a genuine Dally M contender. I honestly, and I'm probably a bit biased. Honestly, think he's been you know some top five most impressive players of the year across the competition. Um, yeah, he could win a, he could win the Warriors Player of the Year for the first time in his career. Hmm. Um, Has he never won there? No, no, he hasn't. It's usually gone to your sort of more stable uh, types. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mannering yeah, sucked all them up. He's got a wardrobe full of them, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now Sam was in the commentary box or the studio uh, with Kempe calling this one. Brad, you and I were you know, had a, having a bit of a uh, a few tech yeah. issues, I guess, trying to get uh, watch this one over the Raiders game over video, um, trying to line up the right time. We're 
with some of us being on uh, Sky Sport now and Sky Go and I and man, you got the Dakota, but we got it. We got all synced up with five of us in the end. Watching it. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. But I had to bail out at half time, Sammy, because I was sitting here with the boys in the TV room. I said to the family, he's watch he's watching this movie or you're watching the league. Nah, watching the movie, not watching the league. Right. I'll shoot him there. Next minute <laughs> I'm on here and we've spent God, it was painful syncing up the the things though. Could you get it we're in like a what's it called? Like this, like a zoom yeah. in. So like, right, pause and tell us when to start. Everyone lining up, six yeah. guys, five guys at the same time. But then I had the missus, because we're a minute behind, she decided to watch it in the lounge and she was screaming out and yelling a minute before <laughs> anything would happen. So I got oh. the half time and I was pretty ropey. I was real waspy actually. So I, I just had, I had to give up. I wonder if this um, if this was just like a global thing because we had massive problems on SENZ. We had our feed actually coming, our FX feed coming from Canberra because we had an SEN call team up there. And so they just take the feed from the ground. They route it through, I think, Melbourne and then send it to us. But they put it on a delay, obviously, because we're watching on the TV and there's a, a, a delay between live and TV. But they had put like a minute delay on it. And so as soon as the as soon as Canberra ran out and the fans were doing the Viking clap, like they were doing the clap on screen and then we'd hear the audio a minute later. Oh, and I was no, like, we can't, we can't, we've got to fix this ASAP. <laughs> yeah. And and they just couldn't work it out. We were trying to we were you know, 30 seconds, give us another 30 seconds. Anyway, I found out on Monday that actually they had they had two like sort of tapes over in Melbourne and they were they were doing the delay on the wrong one. So there was probably some like local AFL game that was about 20 minutes behind by the time we had <laughs> That's time we had added all the delays on to try and sync it up. But we we're in the same position. Like, you know, you'd hear eventually it actually got ahead of us and you'd hear the crowd get up or the whistle go. Oh. And then you were five seconds behind it. So you're like trying to, I, I times was guessing. I was like, oh, and it's a penalty probably for offside five seconds later. No, it's a high shot on, uh, you know, so-and-so. But um, so maybe, yeah, maybe it was a, a sort of a global problem on Friday night. Sounds, I've never that thought of like... a headache for offside commentary. Yeah, like that would be a, a ball ache trying to mention just guesswork. I yeah. suppose that's like this podcast. <laughs> it was a rare. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to um, highlight some of our frailties. It was a rare problem for us uh, in in the commentary. Usually, usually it all matches up and it's all fine. But yeah, we just had some some demons on Friday night. Unfortunately, you're uh, you probably had a wee bit more at stake than we did. Sam, <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of, a few people did. Uh, DM the this Warriors live page after the game. They're dying to know how I was going around at Tally's place. I was meant to watch the game at a Raiders Mad fans, uh, Raiders Mad mates place. Is one of my best mates from way back. I was meant to go around there. Apparently, his kid got COVID, so we had to cancel. I think maybe foreshadowed uh, what the result was going to be and pulled the pin. But we <laughs> he was on our um. He was on our, our Zoom meeting watching the game, getting increasingly upset. Uh, so, yeah, everyone would be pleased to know that even though I didn't get round to his place, uh, Tally was suitably uh, despondent and watching it with a bunch of Warriors fans getting getting the piss <laughs> taken out of him. So, yeah, it's it a good time in his, in his lime green jersey, just crying uh, into his beer. But, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, Sam, after that game, plenty of people... Suddenly, because we hadn't been going that well for five or six weeks. I mean, the, the win over the Dolphins was pretty satisfying, but far from complete. Mm. Uh, before that, would only, I think, would uh, what one one of our last four or five. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it's not like we've been flying for ages. That was just you know a massive step forward. 
but people are talking about us as a top four team. Um, is, are they putting the cart before the horse a little bit on on the back of one performance, or do you think it's sort of realistic now we are a real player in this premiership? Well, I th- I always look at it um, from two angles. The first angle is, I guess, historically or or from what you think about when you think about a top four team are the Warriors, you know, a top four team. And then the other, the other side of it, are they a top four team given what's around them? And I think that's probably more um, a, a pointer to the fact that they could break it into there because, you know, apart from Penrith and, and even the Broncos against the Knights, I feel like we're exposed somewhat to, to a game plan that can, can tip them up. Um, you know, no one is, we don't have what we had last year where there's just four clear teams that are, that are a top four side. So you look around, you know, that top eight and who's in and around there with us with teams like the Raiders and the Sharks and, um, you know, I know the Storm are in there as well after a good performance on the weekend, but I look around those teams and I go hundred percent where we can be top four, you know? Yep. We may not, we're not at the Penrith South's level yet. And, you know, it irks me that we lost that game to Brisbane because I'd like to say that we're close to them. But I think given that we might just be in behind them, but absolutely we're, we're top four material. Um, It's a big sort of hypothetical because everyone's got to stay fit, right? Sean has to stay fit. Like I've said before, Wade Egan, I think is a massive cog. Um, We've got players coming back, but you know, the P- the team that wins the NRL, uh, and I've always sort of said this, or the teams that make a grand final, generally are the teams that stay fit for a season. Like Penrith, to me, doesn't make a grand final and win if they don't have Nathan Cleary. Souths don't do it if they don't have Latrell Mitchell or Cody Walker or Cam Murray. So, you know, if we stay fit, if we're sitting here at the team that we just saw on the weekend, add in to Mighty Martin, add in, you know, Braden Williami and 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 Jazz and, and Dills, 100% we're top four. But that's, you know, we have a lot of ground to get through probably before we can, you know, entertain it. Um, but yeah. that's, I guess, where I'm sitting at the moment. We've done it without a lot of key guys at various times exactly. as well. Yep. Because we had Sean for every game, that that definitely helps. But uh, we've had a lot of key guys out and still crafted this eight and six record, sitting mm-hmm. six on the ladder, equal fourth. Um, yeah, I think one of the more impressive points of their season to date, and Warriors teams of the past, of you know, even twenty eighteen, were what well, went seven and one, and I think we lost thirty two nil and in round nine or whatever. Um, this team's biggest loss was 14-0 in what, round nine on, on that five-day turnaround after Anzac Day. So, you know, they're, they're sticking in every game for 80 minutes, and I think that that's probably more the biggest mark of a top-four team that they've yeah, shown sure. this year. And the, the run home, we've got 10 games left, only two of them against teams in the top six. As you said, we've got that big game against South in round 18, our next home game. Uh, the only other one is against Cronulla. Um, that's at home as well. And Cronulla are sort of looking very shaky at the moment and not beating anyone inside the uh, inside the top eight. So very handy run home. I know there's no easy games in the NRL, but geez, it's uh, pretty tantalising. Like it, just even looking at the draw, you think we should we have red hot chance at, at top four. Yeah, a great point you make as well about um, I guess the blowouts because that is, that is what separates the teams that are going to finish high from the teams that are just going to scrape in. And, you know, the Dolphins obviously getting, getting toweled up, um, the, the Sharks getting toweled up. Those, those to me are signs, like you said, that those teams probably aren't, aren't premiership contenders. So we haven't had that. And, you know, Blake Ashford, who um, you've been saying can be weird, Blake and Ashford in the, um, in the studio on Friday. And um, I always love calling alongside Blake because he's very real and he tries not to be too biased. But even he said, 
when you think about the games that we have lost, like we borderline probably haven't played a bad game this season in terms of genuinely bad. Like we've had some bad moments and we've, we've had frustrating moments against teams like the Broncos and Napier, but I don't think you'd look at it and go, we played really poorly or we played bad. So we're, we're sort of yet to see that, which once again points to a team that can do very well and finish high and yet the schedule very favorable to us as well and uh, lots of I think Friday night games which is a good seven day turnaround we don't have those those quick turnarounds again so um, yeah it, it's but man it's a tight compay 2023 is just I mean tipping this year has been a nightmare yeah. for me um, yeah. like I, I picked the Dragons to beat um, Souths and then I lost it on the Sharks to beat the Storm so it's like you get, you get one right and then you get the next seven wrong but that's just how it is it's yeah, funny uh, feeling being so buoyant, isn't it, as a Warriors supporter? I know. I'm almost can't so get many, carried away. You feel yeah, like so many years of dog shit. We've already won two more games than we did last year, haven't we, so far? In the first, is that right? Did we win six last year and we've already won eight this year? I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So, amazing. It's, yeah. It's really. fun, yeah, it's it is interesting, and, and like yeah, we were saying that like we don't want to get too far ahead of us. It, it's hard because, you know, it is very exciting, like, because I guess – you know, Warriors fans, apart from 2018, where it felt like we were building towards something and then that sort of crumbled when people started leaving. But like, I mean, it's been, you know, 12 years since you genuinely felt like this. Um, And if you want to even go back further, you know, like there's a lot of comparisons, this team to 2001 and the fact that team built towards 2002 in a grand final, like you, you haven't experienced this for so long. And part of you sort of says, you know, it's the Warriors don't, You've been burned before, don't do it. But it feels different. I see that from actually the listening to you boys talk to Webby. Um, that podcast that you did with him is still like one of my favorite league podcasts, you know, ever. Cause I just was obsessed with everything you guys talked about. And I still have the exact same excitement that I had then that I do now. Like it, it hasn't waned because it feels different and it it's noticeably different. It's, you know, if we do lose a game, like I said, it's we're not playing terrible. We're not you know, getting blown out. So it, it's just a completely different looking Warriors team. Um, and even if we finish, isn't this funny, right? If we finished eighth, you'd probably be disappointed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at the start yeah. of the season, you would have taken that. But right now, if we finish eight, you'll be a little bit, dis- you'd think we should have finished higher. I've got five. Oh, Fifth is my goal. I'll be, yeah, that's where I'm home sort final. of going to be. Just fuck the home final too. <laughs> Yeah. I, might shoot, I might shoot up to Mount Smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get in your car. <laughs> but it's funny you said that about the podcast with Webby. Once we finished and we shut it down and he went his way and the three of us were there just talking, we, straight after that, we knew we had talked to something different all of a sudden. This, yeah. From that point on, before it was three months before the season started, it's like, holy hell, this guy, this guy is moving all the right yeah. directions, saying all the right things. He's just a... Good voice of reason, that guy. Can I, I see the fiery side with the ginger hair? I wanna, I wanna actually do. I'll do. This is a, this has never been done before. Okay, this is a Warriors Life exclusive. Oh, um, yeah. oh yeah. So I took notes during the interview because I wanted to see how I felt like during the season because I didn't. Hmm. You know, quite often you just get enamored with a new coach. You know, to an extent, I got a little bit with Nathan Browns. Oh, you know, new coach, exciting, whatever. Yeah. And I wanted to compare it to how I felt. So I wrote, this is what I wrote. This is on the 14th of December. 
Really inspired by Webby. Think he's the real deal. His philosophy on the game, persona, the way he talks, and his vulnerability is exciting, encouraging, and infectious. He may not be looking at a premiership in 2023, but I believe in five to 10 years, the Warriors can be winning titles. And I don't feel any different. That was, you know, 14th of December last year, and I don't feel any different. I thought I would, and I don't. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's cool. So now, do well, do well. What did you write down for well on December the fourteenth? <laughs> <laughs> Need some work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's enough. Enough of uh, Sam's right, yeah, yeah. for this week. Yeah, yeah you don't want to um, tip, you don't want to dip into the personal stuff, boys. Yes. Let's uh, <laughs> yeah, have yeah. another day. Um, just uh, our chat just now just does segue into uh, Fonzie's first question for you, Sam. He has uh, sent in a few from his sick bed, but um, Fonz. Sam, the rapid turnaround in the club on and off the field suggests we have good management team, but the last few years suggested otherwise. Was COVID to blame all along, or have these guys learnt some lessons, or is it mainly just the luck from stumbling across Webby? Yeah, look, I've been sort of grappling with that question, you know, basically the whole season because I I sort of put the edict down last year with the way that Cam George, obviously a lot of drama last year with um with Robbo and and with Cam George and some of the decisions they were making. And I put the edict down. I said, Cam George has put all of his eggs in the COVID basket. Everything he put down to COVID, right? He put down players leaving to COVID. He put down results to COVID. He put down to the club running, you know, poorly down to COVID. And I said, well, that's all well and good. But if in 2023, things haven't changed, because you've put all your eggs in that, your excuses are done and it's probably time that you face the music. And, and I'm very like, I like Cam. I get along with him very well. We, we talk quite a lot, you know, on shows and stuff. And, and I do, I do think he's a very smart man, but I, but I sort of almost put that edict down that if he doesn't, if it doesn't turn around, then you can't use that excuse. So I guess in that regard, you'd look at it and go, yep, COVID really was the major catalyst for why the club was struggling. It was why players didn't want to come here. It's why players wanted to leave. Um, it's why I guess, in a way why the club let them leave um and just yeah players who weren't comfortable guys like uh you know sean guys um there's even guys there now who i won't say names who were entertaining getting a release as well you know who have backflipped because they realize that things are different so yeah i want to put it down to COVID. i don't think it's a luck thing i think you know cam is a very smart man and he's very passionate about the club and he is very um you know, he he does everything with with the club's best interest at heart. And, you know, Robbo as well, he gets a lot of flack. I'm sure you guys saw that um, video sort of podcast thing he did with with the club, their own sort of in-house podcast thing where he sort of opened up a little bit. And he's rapidly passionate about rugby league, rapidly passionate about the Warriors. And I've even got mates who work there who say, man, he's the kind of guy who you go to him, you say, hey, we really want to do this, this, and this. And just straight away, he's like, yep, what do you need? You know, like, let's do it. He's not a, like, oh, well, you know, let's let's look at the balance sheet or let's you know, make sure everything. Yeah, he's just, yep, great. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah. Let's go for it. So I, I don't think, uh, I don't think, I guess the luck thing comes into it. Um, although, geez, when when they said Andrew Webster, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys were the same, apart from the fact that he'd been at Penrith, I was like, oh, really? This the guy never coached the NRL before. He's an assistant coach. We had him years ago. You know, so so maybe in a way there is a little bit of of a surprise factor to it that he's as successful, you know, as he is as he has been. Um, but obviously they did their due diligence. They they looked looked into it a lot harder than we did and and found the right guy. So got to give credit to Cam. Got to give credit to to Robbo. I think they deserve the credit for how they've put together the team. 
um, and you know the, the recruit, recruitment as well. Let's you sort of have to keep going back to the top. So you know, Cappy, he didn't actually do a lot of the recruiting. He'll he'll openly tell you that he'll say a lot of the guys actually were sort of put in place before I stepped into my new role. So you know that that's a lot of that's probably Cam, um, who probably took over in a way that sort of role with with a coach. So um, you know, but then putting Cappy in that role, that was Cam's decision, and and you know putting um getting Richie Agar and and that sort of those guys over, that's all part of Cam's decision. So yeah, credit to them. I think it's, I think they've done a fantastic job, and and I think the COVID excuse was valid given what we've seen since mm. they've been home. Yeah, certainly a factor. I do think we'd still be bottom six if Nathan Brown had come back and, and yeah, still no, been I coaching the that. team. I do agree with um, that. Yeah. And I don't want to be hindsight guy, but I was very excited about Andrew Webster's appointment, given he was the type of coach that the Warriors have had success with in the past. Daniel Anderson, you know, Cleary, mm-hmm. and Fadden to an extent, a highly rated assistant. Um, and yeah, without the, I think of it as a burden, as the previous NRL failures now, because it's yeah. just the, the overwhelming uh, proof is there that, that that's fair. Coaches don't come back from. Um, you know, from from bad stints at clubs. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we I think we are very. You know, there's an element of luck there. I don't think that uh, too many people would have thought that Webster would be having us going this well. And the way he yeah. come across in that podcast, he, imagine how well he come across in the interview for the job. Yeah, they, yeah. They probably interviewed oh, yeah. far more people with far more credentials to get the gig, and then have that little strawberry blonde dude come in and just. Bang, bang, bang. This is what you do. This is how you do it. Do it, do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and they believe it. He could start a cult. I'd happily go through the silly juice <laughs> in the middle of the bush somewhere. He just yeah. gets you real quick. And I know, and I, look, the comparison is it maybe is flawed in a way, but it, there is an easy sort of yin and yang, and that is Cameron Serraldo, you know, and, and arguably he's <laughs> yeah. got more resource at the Bulldogs, maybe not a better oh, roster yeah. on paper, but arguably better resource and access to better, you know, when you think of Phil Gould, et cetera, and they're, they're battling. So, yeah. you know, there, there's there's a there's sort of a comparison to be made there, and I love the sign that someone brought to the, it might have been the Bulldogs game where they sort of said, you know, we got the better Penrith assistant <laughs> or whatever it was. It was a fantastic <laughs> sign. Um, Brad is, I think, a little bit uh, skewed because Webster loved his, jo- his Ivan Cleary jokes. I remember so much. that actually. Yeah, he did, he did appreciate those, Brad. He did. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a good bloke. Real, yeah. I, yeah, I like everything guy. about the guy. He, he deserves all the all the success he gets. That guy. He's mm-hmm. he's a bit of he's a horse whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love it that he's been at the club before and been through some yeah you know, some decent patches and some pretty ugly ones as well and mm. yeah. You know, eyes wide open and yeah uh moving on boys uh, sam we've got you here well and i know you've done uh quite an in-depth bit about your background on the warriors anonymous uh podcast and also with christian on warriors nrl fanatics um which was great but really whoring yourself out mate yeah, well, I mean, you guys, know, you guys obviously know the fee, so I mean, we'll, we can yeah, discuss yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, um, half a dozen, e- half a dozen <laughs> eggs, and well, hey, mate, that's, that's, about, that's about five hundred bucks nowadays, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've been waiting in the queue for a long time to get Sammy. He's finally, uh, <laughs> finally enough to be free for us. But um, give us your bullet point background, Sam. How did you? Where did you grow up? Where did you? How'd you? Um, a bit about your, I guess, your rugby league fandom journey and your, mm. and how you've ended up uh, being a superstar commentator and sense producer. <laughs> no, very, very much in the beginning stages of that. But no, I, uh, yeah, I'm a Hamilton boy, born and bred. Uh, well, born actually in Auckland, but yeah, Hamilton sort of raised all through my 
my schooling years um, and, you know, was a, was probably a rugby guy. Um, certainly played that all through my primary school days and, and sort of into high school before I picked up soccer football of all sports. Um, but, you know, always sports obsessed and it, and it's sort of funny. I think I've got a bad memory at times. I think back to, man, did I even like rugby league back in the day? But then, you know, Facebook memory pops up and there I am, you know, spilling off about a result or, you know, talking about how great that try was from whoever. So, um, you know, I clearly had a passion for it back in those years, but, um, yeah, I went, I remember actually even going to, I went to America after high school for a year, um, did a sort of what a, a post-grad high school year over there, trying to sort of take my football career a bit further. And like, I remember that I was over there for the 2011 grand final. Um, and, and that I do remember sort of vividly. And I think I had to wake up at like, you know, 3am in the morning or whatever it was, 4am in the morning to watch it, but well worth it. Uh, despite the loss, it was great to see us in the, in the grand final. But yeah, I think the shift really probably came, um, you know, maybe 20 sort of 13, 14, where, you know, I was up in Auckland. Suddenly I was starting to go to Warriors games at Mount Smart. Um, and like most people that sort of shift, I started moving away. I started realizing, Hey, this rugby union game is actually not that interesting. And they only care about the all blacks and, you know, the best players aren't playing and the competition isn't as exciting. And this NRL thing is great. And I've always been a, a Warriors fan, but now I'm so close to the team and I can go to games. And and so I started sort of shifting towards being a, you know, a league head. Um, and yeah, I remember listening to, you know, radio commentaries. It was Alan Mack uh, back on radio sport days, used to call the, call the Warriors for them. <laughs> um, and then I started at the Warriors and it's sort of funny that's at um, radio sport. And it's funny when I was a kid, you know, I always wanted to be like a commentator. I, I used to pretend to do, I'm not a horse guy, but I used to pretend to do horse racing commentaries. Um, quite often I would like um, mute the TV and commentate over the top of the TV. And I always used to try and put the Ray Warren voice on, you know, and try and, you know, sort of take the Mickey in a way. And, and so that natural roundabout is funny. I come to radio sport and suddenly I'm like, Hey, I'm like at this place now, maybe I could do the, the commentary thing. Maybe that's a, a legitimate, you know, direction but unfortunately i've sort of entered at a time when you know there was like four other guys in front of me and guys that had been doing it for years and you know you're you're very much down the picking order so um i did get like a sideline gig one time it was the nights back in 20 maybe 2019 um called the called a sideline game warriors nights at mount smart that gave me the bug um and then yeah radio sports shut down i sort of gave up in a way on the whole broadcasting career um, was working at a at a resine, funnily enough, mixing paint, which is a humbling experience. Uh, Spanish really white, twenty liters of half Spanish white, mate. Yeah, right. Spanish like... white, yeah, no, a bit of black white, but a C four. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't actually mind; it was quite therapeutic. But then, obviously, SNZ started up, and good friend of mine, Jason Pine, was sort of the main guy, and and they needed they had an obligation over an SEN to do. Um, you know, four commentaries a weekend. And and randomly, I think they had to do every Warriors game. I don't know why they had to, but they that was sort of part of the arrangement. And it was in New Zealand and they, no, no, it was in Australia because of COVID and they, they didn't have anyone they could send to the ground. They said, oh, is there anyone over in New Zealand who would be keen to call the game? And and Piney knew that I obviously was my dream to be a commentator. He knew I loved the Warriors. And he rang me up. He said, mate, now's your chance. And I was like, man, I, like, I don't even know how it works. Yeah. Like I've never, you know, play by play. I've never done that. And like, I did like research and I don't know, you know, and I was just freaking out. But I, but at the same time, you know, I was like, if I don't say yes, I'm, it may never happen. So I did it. And then 
sure enough, they were like, hey, there's this really big rugby league community in New Zealand that love the Warriors. They, they were almost surprised by it, Australia. They, they were thinking we're just rugby mad and that's all we care about. They realized there's this mm. massive audience. They say, well, why don't we call every game next year? We'll call all the Mount Smart games and we'll call all the, the away games off the tube. Um, and this was, so this was last year. And they said that, Sammy, do you want to, do you want to do it? And I was like, hell yeah, hell yeah, I want to do it. So, mm. uh, that it's, it's a weird, like I'm, I'm very sort of ethereal when I think about, you know, life and how things work out and very much just said yes to everything. And when I look back, it's just crazy how many things sort of have fallen into place over the years. But, um, yeah, it, that's, that's how it sort of happened for me. And, and here I am now you know, a year later and I feel very comfortable in the booth and obviously love being at Mount Smart and calling the games from there and um, love calling it alongside Kempe, even though he gets a lot of flack. At, he's, he's a fun guy to work next to. Um, and, and you know, I'm I'm by all means. And, and you know, it's funny because I, I am very biased, right? And people will know that if they listen to the commentary. I'm okay with it because our, the commentary only goes into New Zealand. Mm. Um, if it went into Aussie and they told me, I'd obviously temper it a little bit. But... I think people resonate with that a bit more like warriors fans, because yeah. that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing on the couch or, you know, at the yeah. ground, they're, they're yelling, they're, they're getting up they're they're getting excited. So if I can, I guess, relay that even, you know, 50% of what they're feeling, then I feel like I'm doing my job. So that's a very long winded answer of how the warriors and, and commentary sort of all came about. Well, Not so well, I'll tell you what, if, you ever, if you're doing so many home games now, you and Kempe even need a sideline man. I've never been to Mount Smart, as we wow. talked about. So, yeah, maybe I could run the sideline. I'll, I'll probably end up being that dude that's trying to gather up 80 minutes of 80 metres of cord. <laughs> no, no, that's you're, a tough gig. There's, there's your in, Brad. There's your, there's your flight up to Mount Smart <laughs> sideline. Right? Just as long as you're, uh, you know, you've got to make sure you don't stand in front of the uh, opposition bench because we've had a couple of sideline eyes that have done that recently. Um, they, I think it was Bellamy, actually, who got fired up at, at someone who stood in front of the Melbourne bench uh, oh. when they were, when they were commentating right? a game. So uh, there'll be a few boxes you have to tick, mate, before we, uh, before we allow give you a free reign of the sideline. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just start in the red badge jacket. Well, you'd be better than those blokes, I'll tell you that much for free. <laughs> um, good spot to uh, to ask Fonzie's next question, Sam. Um, he's asked, has the growth uh, the growth in your media profile is all the momentum of a runaway freight train? Why are you so pop- popular? Oh, Fonzie is absolutely buttering me up there. Does he want something from me, Fonzie? Yeah. What do you want? I feel like he wants something. I, I don't, I, I think, no, I, I, how do I phrase this? Like, I, when people meet me, and I'm not sure if you're getting the, the sense of it through the podcast, but when people meet me, I'm like almost unashamedly myself. Like there are people that put it put it on a lot in the media industry. I think they think they're a lot bigger than they are, or they give themselves a lot more. Whereas I'm just Staffy? Like, Is that, are you talking Staffy? No, like, no, 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 no names. <laughs> careful, careful. He probably will listen to this. As well. <laughs> just winding you But you know, like um, like I, I sort of just tweet you know, my thoughts and I'm happy to be wrong and I'm happy to be corrected. I'm happy to have a conversation. People miss me like, why do you reply to those guys? I'm like, I don't know. I just like the conversation. I like engaging with people. And, um, and you know, it's funny people say to me, oh, you know, I really enjoy your hosting and, you know, does that what you want to do? And like, I, don't, I actually don't want to be a radio host, funnily enough. And and that really annoys SCNZ because that's, they want me to, that's the natural progression is to go into hosting. But I, I don't think I'm good enough. Like I, I don't think that's my skill set. And, and people are shocked by that because they're like, aren't you supposed to be all like, yeah, I want to be a host and I want to be the main guy and I want to be the front man. And so in a way I, I feel like everyone else. So I'm just a fan 
who's living a dream in a way, you know, working in sports media, uh, you know, never, ever would I use the word fame. I would never use the word like brand or profile. It is cool that people are really enjoying the commentaries that, you know, I love that people, are, they encourage me and they support me because it obviously helps me do a better job. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm no different. Like you guys, you know, like Will, Brad, you could jump on, Staffy and, and probably do just as good a job of me as me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just as much about rugby league, you know, just as much probably about other sports. I'm just an everyday man who, you know. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's exactly the word. When I look at how you're coming from, you're an everyman. It looks looks achievable. It's like, oh, shit. Is that because I have a like, No, 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 no. It's not that. You're a, you're a bloody good-looking bloke. If only, if only this was a video podcast. Jesus, oh. it would up the ratings. But, yeah, that's what I mean. You're very everyman-ish. Like, it, it's achievable. You're normal, relatable. Yeah. No, good yeah. Yeah. Well, that's – and that's – you know, that is that is sort of what I want to be. And, and um, yeah, I, I guess to, just to, to Fonzie's point about the freight train, like, it definitely has been a rapid um, – you know, journey and, and the fact that, like I said, two years ago, I was working at a regime mixing paint, you know, and here I am calling the Warriors games, doing having, you know, it's a dream and, and talking about it on air, you know, to, to all these people listening. It's um, yeah. But, you know, I've also got the attitude and this probably does get me into trouble sometimes when I'm talking on air to just always say what comes to your mind first. Like I said, some people fake it a little bit and they're like, you know, you ask me a question. Well, Brad, uh, the Warriors, well, what a team, man. What a coach, Andrew. And it's like, dude, just you're talking like you're at a pub, you know, just talk yeah. to, to the guy next to you like he's your mate. Like sometimes I genuinely think I'm just talking to staff and there's no one listening. And then yeah. you get people texting and be like, get this Muppet off here. He's got no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize he's actually- Oh, Ian from Gisborne. Getting yeah. stuck in here. <laughs> That's the one. And you realize, oh, actually, there's other people listening out here. But yeah, whether or not that, um, you know, is a, is a roadblock for me becoming something bigger, I don't know. But it, it doesn't really bother me. I'm, I'm just going to sort of keep being who I am. And 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 the same goes for the commentaries. Like if, if anyone ever said to me, hey, Sam- you really need to peel it back. Um, no more getting excited. You got to be real stoic. You know, I'd borderline show them the middle finger. You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that's that's what it is, man. If, if oh, you don't like it, I'm probably not your guy. It's probably because you got. It's probably because you got the comfort of the resign job to pull back on at any time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if they ever need a ten liter, uh, you know, lumber cider, I'm I'm, oh, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good boy. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of lustre curl. Doing some skewing. Have you, uh, mate? You know quite a bit about paint. Have you? Oh, you I'm, a, a, I'm a builder. I, I run oh, a building okay. company yeah. here, so I know enough to be dangerous about painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope that answer oh, is okay for Fonz. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we've got one Don't more. Don't worry. He'll let us know. Don't you worry about that. Oh, <laughs> okay. he'll, he'll send a list of uh, ways we could improve for the next pod and what right. he would yeah. have done differently if he, if he was. Uh, cool. And send those to me as well, Fonz, for, you know, for my own feedback. <laughs> Joking, of course. Joking, of course. Fonz is nah, a good man. Like, like, yeah. like your relationship with Steph here. Gotta give the got to give the ribbon. Now nah, you do. Uh, one last question from Fonz. Uh, this Warriors life has appeared on Sins regularly. Well, some of us, anyway. Um, now you're <laughs> now you're here on our show. Um, how do you think independent podcasters like ourselves fit into the commercial media landscape these days? Related mm -hmm. to that, uh, one thing he likes about Sins is that it uh, manages to maintain a community feel to many of its broadcasts. How hard is that to balance against the commercial drivers of a modern radio station? Wow, Fonzie, that is yeah, that's heavy Jesus hitting that. Dude. Um, he's got a future in this sort of stuff. Um, 
Well, that, I'm, I'm glad he brought it up because, um, you know, I love talking to, love communicating with you guys and love, you know, some of the other podcasts that I've, that I've talked to and been a part of because like we're all in it together. You know, I, I once again go back to like, I don't, I don't really like people that think they're above everyone else. So it would be very easy, right, for us in the media to be like, oh, here here are these sort of podcasts that aren't on a mainstream network or whatever, you know, they're small fish or whatever. But, you know, I'm, I'm totally the opposite. I'm like, you guys are doing, you know, just as good a work as we are. It's just we've got this big commercial company behind us and we're all promoting the same community. Like we're all Warriors fans and we're all, we've all got our own niche to it. Um, you know, for, for us on air, it's probably being a little bit more general and sort of entertaining and, and, you know, packaging things up. Whereas, you know, if you want to find that real analytical warrior stuff, you know, that like that was up guys great with his little videos, you know, everyone has something different that they're offering, which um, I think is really, really valuable. And, you know, to Fonzie's point about us creating that community, like it is very tough. And and I mean, no secret of the fact that, you know, SENZ is a, is a heavily commercial station. You know, SEN over in Australia, their, their model was very much, you know, this needs to make money. And if Radio Sport taught us anything, it's that if it doesn't make money, it, it quickly goes under when things are giving it slightly rocky. So, you know, that is very tough, balancing that commercial element with, okay, content. And, and I'm, I'm a sort of a content first person. I want it to sound good. I want people to be entertained. I want them to be informed. I want them to enjoy what they're listening to. Um, it is really tough balancing it. But I think, you know, we, we rely so much on people supporting us from a listener point of view, but also, you know, when, when we get people on and when we ask people to come on our shows that I want to show the same to anyone else. So I'll never say no to anyone if, if they ask me to do something for them, like interview wise. And I'm always happy to promote podcasts because I know what that's like to be there. I know how hard it can be to, you know, um, to get things out there and get people listening. So, um, yeah, you guys are, you guys are a massive part, I think of, of what we do at SENZ. Um, and, and people love hearing from you as well, man, you'll be surprised. I probably don't do a good job, but you'll be surprised when we get you guys on, we always get, you know, a couple of texts in saying, I love that you guys got the the Warriors Life boys on. I love their podcast. You know, like those people out there exist as well, texting us in saying, "Oh, it's great you had." You know, we had we have um, Surly from Surly Talk Sport. I love his I love his stuff. It's so good you get him on. So um, that sort of shows us that the the audiences are they cross a lot of different platforms, right, and a lot of different mediums. Um, and yeah, we're we're all in it together. That's my attitude. No, that's pretty awesome. And it's obviously, particularly initially, very big buzz for us to get a bit of a call up and just, you know, to, to even hear the podcast mention and that sort of thing. And, you know, mm. maybe that's a, a buzz that Brad one day might get to feel himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going off tangent. All of a sudden, how red is my foot? Like, am yeah, I coming I through real red? Like, you are coming yeah, through. I said something minutes. really embarrassing. I thought, yeah, yeah I, I don't really... know if it's the sun. Yeah, it's, I don't, it looks like Violet of Willy Wonka when she eats that thing. You're turning Violet, Violet. Yeah, <laughs> it's... <laughs> I thought you might have just been getting increasingly fucked off about not yeah. being on scene. Yeah, I, yeah. Every time it was just mentioned, I could just yeah, just getting redder and redder. Another shade. What, what's this color, Rosine? What one's this? What uh, red, it's red. probably there's um there's a I think it's called Turbo. I think turbo? it's turbo, <laughs> sort of like race car, you know, turbo type. Um, <laughs> yes, but no, but it's um it, it's sort of funny too. Like uh, Will, just you mentioning that about getting the buzz. Like it's real easy, I think, in media and even the commentary. Like it's so easy to forget 
that what those feelings are like. Like I remember like young people come through here all the time, right? Whether they're interns or they're part-timers or whatever. And you sort of see that buzz that they get when they hear their voice on an ad or, you know, they, you say, oh yeah, you can jump yeah. on the desk and push the buttons and they get all lit up. And I sort of sit there going, oh, that's a bit weird. But man, I remember what that was like, you know, sort of seven or eight years ago when I first got into radio, the buzz of hearing your voice or, you know, being asked to do, to, to come on air. Um, and you can't forget that because, you know, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you get those people who get too big for their boots and all of a sudden they forget that they were once like that and how much of an impact that can have just a simple tag, you know, on Twitter or a, or a retweet mm. or a share or whatever can, can completely, you know, um, you know, excel someone's podcast or their, or their, what they're doing. So yeah, remembering that I think is important as well. A simple thing. One of them that sort of, Gives you a bit of but is old die with his patreon to our show yeah like someone like die he, he doesn't have to take the time out of his day at all but mm. someone like that that pays the yeah. patreon for something that's free anyway yeah, yeah it's, it's quite a cool feeling yeah um, yeah nice now just uh talking about commentary more broadly sam um believe it or not when i was a young fella it was my dream to be a commentator I was obsessed with Graham Hughes um, in that early 90s to mid-90s heyday of, of rugby league in New Zealand. He was the voice of it. I used to imitate him. I'd like memorise passages of his commentary like <laughs> you would a song. Like I was yep. crazy about it. Um, well, go on. Give us, give us the demo. Oh, no, no. no, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and just absolutely loved it. Um Probably, and then as time wore on, probably just realised I was better suited to, um, you know, to the writing side of it. Just probably mm. didn't have the temperament to be a, a commentator, not quite as sort of calm and collected as as yourself, because it, you know, <laughs> it, is, it is bloody difficult to not stumble over your words, and particularly when it's live. Um, I did yeah. get to commentate the Canterbury Rugby League Grand Finals, the men's and women's uh, games back to back in 2018 for a New Zealand Rugby League um, live stream. Nice, and that was a bit of a bucket list. Um, moment for me, just yeah. you know, just getting to call something, and I was packing myself actually. Um, <laughs> but you know, That's obviously, awesome. it's pretty pretty small time, and it's to, you know, Facebook live feed. But there mm. was you know, several hundred, maybe thousand people watching it, and it, yeah, I was I was on edge, but uh, absolutely mm. loved it. Um, takes us back to your first game in the box behind the mic. You're the yes. main caller. What what yeah. was that like? And do you remember what game it was? Well, yeah, the so there was that one game back in 2021, uh, and that was uh, it was the Warriors Penrith game. I think it's the one where Roger got knocked out. I think it was Roger's last game. Was that 2021? Oh, yeah. Am I right in saying it? Yeah, 2021. Yeah. It was. Yeah, so yeah. I think that was that was the first game I called in our old studios at the TAB offices alongside Bluey McLennan of all people. Um, yeah. And that was the first game that that I ever sort of called live. And yeah, just a big shock. I had sort of been told to go away and practice. And, and as much as you can, nothing prepares you for 80 minutes and constant talking. And, you know, I've always found rugby league, it, you, you have to call it fast. It's not um, a game, I guess, like say football, soccer football, where you can not say anything while the ball's getting passed around. Yeah. And then you're just sort of coming out like it's, you got to say, you know, tackle one, they're up to the 30 and now they pick up the ball out of dummy half, they're up towards the 20, you know, it's very, very quick. So um, I got a big shock coming into that. But then I guess it, the real, where I sort of see it all starting was last year, game one, which was against the Dragons. Um, and once again, we called that from the studio. 
Um, and you talked about not tripping up over your words. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but one of the most famous gaffes here at SCNZ was from myself during that first game against the Dragons, where after what was pretty a pretty flawless uh, 79 and a half minutes, uh, I said, no, 79 minutes. I said to Kempe, you know, and here go the Dragons. They filled it on, on the 20 meter line to bring it back from this uh, next set. There is 60 seconds left on the cock, uh, sorry, clock, <laughs> and just dead silence because Kempe had completely lost it. And because he had lost it, I then like couldn't speak into the microphone. So if you hear the audio, it's just me saying there's uh, 60 seconds left on the cock. And just you get a referee in the background for about 25 seconds. And then Kempi tries to come in. And all you hear is, Moses Sully's having a good game tonight. <laughs> and then he loses it. And then it gets the full time. And so, yeah, look, we're literally talking 60 seconds of nothing because we are just, you know, pissing our pants. And then I try and wrap the game as the final whistle goes. And I'm still, like, trying to hold back laughter. And it just sounds like I'm really emotional. I'm like, and the Warriors have gone down here at St. George. And it was, it, and I'm, in, I'm just sitting there thinking, man, this was your dream as a kid and you're here doing it. And this is, and this is how it's sort of kicking off. Um, but, you know, in a way, once, you know, you learn a lot from, from that sort of stuff and you can have a good laugh about it now. And it does get played out a lot over SCNZ and everyone did have a good time, but um, uh, yeah. And then obviously the first, the, the homecoming game was the first game at Mount Smart. And that was, I guess that's when it felt a bit more real because I was in a I was in a box calling it live in front of me, um, and I will never forget that day. I mean, that is one of the most special sporting occasions I've ever been to, probably up there with the the twenty fifteen um, cricket World Cup semi at Eden Park. Like just yeah, so much emotion, and I get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, and to be able to call that, and I'll you know I'll, that'll. When people ask me over the years, I'll always say I got to call the homecoming game, you know, at mm. Mount Smart, hadn't played in a thousand and forty-eight days or whatever. And yeah, that was that was pretty electric. Uh now I want to take you down a bit of a or take you down memory lane, way back to the start of uh Warriors and, and the commentary. Obviously, you wouldn't remember some of these guys um being about what, 10, 12 years younger than us, but mm-hmm. Graham Hughes was our first Warriors commentator, or for us in New Zealand anyway. Him and Lowy yep. the, is a, an amazing team. Um, now, Brad, jump in here if you re- have any memories of these various commentary teams. 96, uh, for some reason, they switched to a Greg Clark and Brent Todd team. Now, that was an awful year to be in. <laughs> Greg Clark goes, he goes well, I think, on Australian rugby. He's kind of become the voice of Australian rugby. But, yeah, I yeah. wasn't, wasn't a huge fan of that combination. I think a lot of it was to do with Brent Todd. He was uh, oh, pretty drunk. tough. In the- yeah. were, these, were these, like, was he, were this New Ze- um, like Warriors-specific commentators or were they just Aussies that got put Home in? Home games, the- were they? Uh, this, I think, yeah, they did all the Warriors home games. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, but the, so it was just 96. And I think 97, Hughes came back, I believe. And for the, yeah, we had him most of the late 90s and some sort of iteration, even 2000. Then uh, then the polarizing Jason Costigan took <laughs> over in 2001. Now, I'm very much on the anti Posto bandwagon. I don't care what anyone says. He just uh, he just seemed like someone doing a bad impression of Graham Hughes, my <laughs> idol. Uh, just felt like everything was seemed a bit pre-rehearsed and and forced. But some people love him. Is and yeah. he stayed there for a decade. Is certainly iconic um, and some great moments. 
uh, of you know Warriors history that he got the call. I think the day that he really done his chips with me was when he uh, when Manu made a bit of a, a blunder, and he called him a clumsy klutz. Oh no! And, and I, clumsy klutz. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, you clumsy klutz!" And there was a silence. <laughs> like, you really said that on live TV? Like, yeah. I don't know if he'd, you know, if he'd sort of rehearsed that one or. Oh anyway. man. Uh, he carried us through to 2010. Um, unbelievably long stint, actually. Then 2011. Yeah. I'm not sure why why it ended with Costo. Uh, Stephen McIver actually called our yeah, 2011 yeah. season. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I was. Yep. Yeah, I was Barry's on... doing D1 NZ. <laughs> and, and, some Wednesday, and, and some Wednesday night footy on uh, Auckland Rugby League back on Sky. Yeah. I was actually and, and hosting on NZ. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah, he's actually my host, host next week, funnily enough. Steph's away, okay. so he's going to step oh, nice. in. Right. Yeah. I, was, um, I was a guest who was doing the Canterbury Sports Show Breakfast. Yes. He does that, steps in and does that a bit, so he's had me on mm-hmm. a couple of times, and he was yeah telling me that he'd actually didn't really rate himself as a, a caller even back in, in 2011, which was mm. uh, quite interesting. But, <laughs> yeah, a, a tough a tough gig if he wasn't sort of – didn't feel he was that suited to it. But he did mm. do that grand final, I think. That was did, from yeah. a studio back in New Zealand, wasn't it? He did. Yeah, um, he did the and, grand final. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I was living in Australia at the time, so obviously we got the Rabs commentary. And then watch, when that game gets replayed on Sky now, we get the McIver yeah. and uh, – DJ Halligan uh, commentary. It's there's certainly a different feel, especially you know d- doing the grand final from a different yeah. country. Yeah. Uh, 2012, another legend of New Zealand broadcasting, Dale Husband. <laughs> Just got the one season, Dale Husband. Um, now I love Dale, and to you know, he's a an icon of broadcasting. But he just he seems to be better suited to the grassroots style of it. I don't know. It just didn't seem to gel at, um, for me as the Warriors uh, lead guy. Mm. Um, then we had Vossi. So he got, I think Vossi had a bit of a to do with uh, Channel 9. Um, and so he's a bit of a, you know, been a bit of a freelancer. And we ended up with him. Talk about landing on your feet for Warriors mm-hmm. fans. Um, yeah, yeah. Getting, getting all their home games. With Vossi, and, and I think we just had the Fox commentators for several years. We seem to get Matty Russell doing a lot of Mount Smart games. Um, and he's I, he's one of my favorite callers, actually, just a good, solid caller. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think it was 2017 that Glenn Lama came on board as Sky's main caller. And I think he does a good, solid job, <laughs> Glenn Lama. Um, you know, and a lot of the time, I think, it, it, and you, you'd probably be able to um, enlighten us a little bit, Sammy. You know, having having an expert next year that can, you know, add some real colour and speak well and chime in, you know, and take the pressure off you. That's, um, you know, that's obviously a huge part of it, making your mm. job easy. Yeah, for sure. And like that's where I said, you know, working with Kempi, like we get along really well, me and Kempi, we can sort of give it to each other. Um, which I think is important as well to have a bit of fun. Um, you know, you may not necessarily do that as much on TV, but um you know, and and Kempe, you know, for all the stick that he really does get, you know, I, he has a very analytical mind, Kempe. Like he's watching the game and he really is analysing it. Whereas I think sometimes other commentators, they just sort of react. So you know, yeah. someone goes through like, yeah, that was a that was a great line there from Neil Kore, and you know, just busted through. It's brilliant. Whereas Kempe will say like, what so and so's done is drawn that player out, and that's allowed the space for Neil Kore to go. You know, he he is very analytical and like you said, it takes a lot of pressure off me because I know all I have to do 
is let people know what's happening and Kempi can do that mm. stuff. Um, yeah. So it, it does. You're right. It makes a massive difference. Who was the commentator that said, take me now, I have seen everything? That was Warren Smith. Was that? Yeah, that line. It's one of the best ever. I reckon that's my favourite commentary line. Yeah, was is was is one of my faves. Um, is he the little bull? Do- oh no, 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 no! I know Warren Smith. Yeah, he's, 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 got the, he's a slim version of Greg Clark, isn't he? Yes, he yeah, he is. yeah, he's slim and yeah, he's very similar looking. I think. But that he... was my next question. Anyone? Oh, sorry, carry yeah. on. No, 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 no. You go, you go. I was, was going to say, is there anyone that you especially look up to? Obviously, you've got your own style, but is there anyone that you know you particularly admire or has influenced uh, influenced you as a commentator? Well, I mean, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Rabs has always been my idol. Um, and I don't, you know, profess, I mean, he's obviously got a very, very unique voice and, and the turn of phrase. He was amazing. But the sort of things of Rabs that I, that I really picked up on and he used to say is, you know, you, you pretend like, and he used to be a horse race caller. He said, you know, you, you go through a set as if it's a book. And, you know, it starts off slow and it starts to build and then you get something at the end. And depending on what happens, you know, you you can go one way or you can go the other way if, if it's a dud into the set or if something exciting happens, but you build up to it. So, you know, tackle one, now we're on the 20 meter line, moving towards the turn, now tackle two, tackle three, now they're over the halfway, picked up at a dummy half, now tackle four, they're over the 40 meter line. Here they go, the Warriors, now tackle five, ball in hand for Johnson, kick, you know, and you're slowly building to something that could then end with Johnson kick in the air, picked up by the Raiders in the end goal, it's going to be a seven tackle set or, you know, kicked in the air and that's what Denny's a Lesnar. Um, so, you know, I picked, I picked up a lot of that stuff, you know, from someone like Rabs and, and also he makes makes a really good point. He always talks about never overselling a moment. You know, if, if you're at a ground and the crowd isn't excited, don't get excited. You know, don't, don't fake something that isn't there. Mm. If the crowd is, you feed off the crowd, if the buzz is there, you, you get up with them and you go with them. You let them sort of take you around. And I really, really sort of try and dial into that. So, you know, Rabs is sort of an, an obvious person that I looked up to, I look up to, but look, I'm a real analytical person and self-reflective and in a way, a bit of an overthinker. When I watch an NRL game, I often am, am spending more time analyzing the commentator than I am watching the rugby league. <laughs> so, you know, when I listen, when I hear Vossi, when I hear Warren, when I hear Matt Russell, when I hear whoever it is, I'm, I'm analyzing them. I'm like, what do they do? Well, what do they, what do I not like about them? What, you know, where do I think, do, do I think I could do that? And it's interesting, you know, talking about my own sort of style because commentary is so polarizing. Like you said, Costo for some people is their favorite and for other people, they hate him. Some people absolutely love Vossi and other people can't stand him. Ray, what Rabs is probably the exception of a guy that pretty much everyone loves, but you know, there, there are people that do like some styles and don't like others. So I've always just said, well, don't try and be any of them then. If, if none of them, can beat can can win over everyone. There's no point you trying to emulate one of them. Do what you do, and do it your way. And yep, you're going to get fifty percent of people not liking you and fifty percent liking you. But at least you, you know, you're you're doing your own. You're bringing your own personality to it. So, you know, whilst I take these bits and bobs from everyone, I do try and still remain Sam Hewitt. And that is, you know, getting excited and getting up and and maybe getting a little bit too over, you know, enthused. But that's, I guess, what makes my commentary. Um, and I'm, you know, also got to sort of preface it by saying that it's only, um, you know, two years essentially into the journey, and I can see myself in 
10 years looking back and going, what on earth were you doing? You mutant, you know, like the way the things you said and the way you just, oh, but you know, that that's part of it. That's part of, 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 you know, the, the journey that I'm on. So yeah. Well, you're doing a great job, mate. And we can't wait to see how far you go in the commentary game. Uh, we can really imagine you being the voice of the Warriors for a generation of fans. Um, that's but, too kind. And I'll, also, I'll always and I'll always remember you boys. Okay, it'll be yeah, a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was what that was angling at. Uh, just so you know, yeah. <laughs> Three tickets or you the know, bottom feeders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, boys, I've got to get a kid to footy training, so I'm going to yeah. let you finish it up and wrap it up, and I'm going to skip on out the back door. If that's all good, very yeah, cool yeah, to meet good. you, Sammy. Yeah, um, pleasure, Brad. Don't be, don't be a stranger, brother. No, I might, I might see you around Mount Smart next time I'm up there. You might, you might, mate. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get you on ECNZ as a consolation. Oh no, you don't <laughs> want to do that to yourselves. I promise you. <laughs> uh, all the best, my friend. You look after yourself. Thanks, mate. Go well. Later. Ciao. Probably sounds like a good time to uh, wrap up this chat now that we've um, dragged you out from your normal finishing time of three pm right into <laughs> Auckland rush hour traffic. Yeah. Oh, Mate, you know, you know, you'll notice, and people listening to this will notice as well. You know, I can't help myself; I'm just a talker. It's probably why I work in radio, right? Um, yeah, I, I for some reason I just can't stop. So it's probably my fault. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure, mate, and we really appreciate your time and and all the work you do on the commentary and sends and yeah, and obviously I've, I've spoken about that. We are very appreciative of the work sends does in general and the support of this warrior's life, but um. Yeah, thank you again, Sammy. Thanks to King's Container Crew, our sponsors as well. Also, a little shout out to our latest, our newest uh, Patreon um, subscriber, Stephen Hill. Thanks for jumping on board, mate. Really appreciate you and all our Patreons out there. Uh, but again, Sammy, thank you, mate, and uh, enjoy the bye weekend. You um, mm. have a yeah valuable weekend off. You'll be loving yeah. it. Rest the tonsils. But uh, yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate all you, all the stuff that you guys do as well. It's uh, yeah, it's great having you part of the the Warriors and the UCNZ family. So, uh, yeah, my pleasure. Outstanding. Can't wait to uh, ride the rest of this 2023 Warriors wave with you, mate. And um, Mm. no doubt we'll be talking to you again soon. Yeah. Up the wires, eh?